<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, a quick note about ads from us, your hosts. We are picky about our advertisers and all of our partners or brands or products that we either use ourselves or that we think our audience would benefit from knowing about. Working with advertisers is what allows us to make this show, and they keep working with us because you, our listeners, use the unique links and codes they provide. It's one of the most meaningful ways to support what we do. So thanks for that. We're really, really grateful. If you're ever looking for a specific code, head to a thing or two hq.com slash sponsors, and you'll find them all. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will be weekly access members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. This episode is already a dream come true. It is already a dream come true, which is just... <sighs> We were going to skip this topic. We were like, you know what? No one needs us to tell them that Magic Mike is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that people actually do need to be told this is a cinematic masterpiece. Yeah. One, people might know, but they might still need our enthusiasm on the topic. Two, oh, totally. two some bad actors are spreading bad misinformation actors. about yes. the quality of this film. Magic Mike's Last Dance. We loved it. That's what the notes say in our script. <laughs> Magic Mike's Last Dance, we loved it. Colon, we loved it. <laughs> yes. Phenomenal. Just phenomenal content. Should we set the stage for seeing it? Yeah, because I asked you what you wanted to do for your 40th birthday, and you were like, mm. you were, you honestly, you were like, I really don't. Like, we had a whole talk about it. I was I don't. Very, I was like, I don't. Yeah. And not because <laughs> you were, like, upset about turning 40. You were just very at peace with other arrangements and not doing a big thing. Yeah. And also, you know, the hard thing about having a birthday in February is it's mm. in February. Mm -hmm. And it always is every time. <laughs> And it's just a hard time of year to, like, get it up. I really understand. Unless Magic Mike is there. Well, so you, you know? were like, I do want to go see Magic Mike's Last Dance with Scandal Club. And I was like, yeah. cool, I can arrange that. <laughs> I can <laughs> send out a text. <laughs> uh, so we did. We we bought tickets to see it in the theater. We Opening got, night. Opening night. I was concerned because there just weren't as many bachelorette parties or just rowdy groups of women as I expected. It was still number one at the box office that weekend. You wanted to see it because you are both a longtime fan of Channing Tatum and a longtime mm. fan of Magic Mike. 
I have seen both previous Magic My films in theaters, mm-hmm. and I am not a franchise person in general, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. but the other, I was thinking about this because advertising has been coming out for around the new Creed movie, mm. and I have also seen both Creed films in Yes, you have. You also and I'm like planning those. to see the third. And I'm not a Rocky person mm-hmm. at all, but I am a Channing Tatum person, and I'm a Michael B. Jordan person, mm-hmm. and apparently I need to see those men and their muscles. Mm-hmm as large as can be. Yes, I understand. It's meant to be large. It's meant to be a large experience. Yeah, I. this was... These are not small screen guys. I am excited to rewatch this movie on a small screen to just know how much of the thrill for me had to do with the experience of it being in the theater. The fact that my kid had been out of town for a week and I was like living the single life. The fact that I'd like had a drink and a vape and was just like enjoying life. But I have a feeling I'm still going to love it on the small screen and I will stream it as soon as it is available to me. You at some point during the film turned to (laughs) me and said, this is the best movie I've ever seen. It, I, that is exactly how I felt. I cannot describe the level of giddiness. I feel fond of Channing Tatum. I had turned a corner with him a year prior, basically when the Zoe Kravitz photos came out, which we can, we will get into later. We will get Don't there. Don't worry. We will spend time. But I'm not like, I, you have, you know, a very sterling reputation for identifying men who will age well. And, <laughs> and you know, who could be styled. Yes. If you tweak their styling just two or three degrees. If you mm-hmm. took off their seed bead necklace, yeah. they would be Exactly. There. Exactly. And so I I know that many would argue that Channing Tatum has long been handsome. To me, his sex appeal has only emerged in the last couple of years. And so for me, this movie was a true revelation, both the film itself and the sort of what for me was a a true coming out of Channing Tatum. Listen, Claire, yeah, I I hear everything you're Mm -hmm. saying. I also told you before this recording that you had to be extremely careful to not nag Channing Tatum because I I was... And you didn't, didn't, and you didn't. didn't, No, 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 my point is, thank you. You're welcome. Um, Because it was important to me (laughs) that if you made extremely clear that Channing has never done anything wrong. No, I adore him. Listen, somebody bought him a gift from Of A Kind when we operated that store and it was a life highlight, a career highlight. I have nothing bad to say about Channing Tatum. He had not been elevated to the status yet that he currently occupies in my life, which is like, thank you. Again, you chose all of the words so carefully and I'm so grateful. I Here's, what, here's one thing I want to say. One, his look wasn't really for me, but two, Magic Mike specifically was not for me because I just, the whole thing of like a whole group of muscly men all gyrating in sync in front of a whole group of women all going nuts. It's just not my kink. Like, I have others, yeah, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so totally, I totally. never really understood it in the same way I never really understood Chippendales. Like it just, and, and male strippers in general. I was just like, you know, where's the romance? Where's the the connection? It's just it, that it, it feels kind of empty to me. I get that it is for other people. And, it, and if multiple men is your thing, I have to say that Tessa Bailey just came out with a completely unhinged, romance that is a reverse harem where multiple men hook up with one woman. Side note, you can go pursue that. I do think that the Magic Mike franchise Mm -hmm. was sort of working up to this point Mm. where it was realizing that like Channing's character, Mike Lane, has been the through line of all of this and he is like our hero or whatever. But what we really need is a central love story. And there's always been a love Mm -hmm. interest. There's always been like a thing going. But this is the first time 
that I feel like we got like an actual romance. Oh, like it a is a straight romance. romance through and through. For two women, you and me, who have been like thinking and talking about romance and getting really into it, this is part of where the giddiness came from. I was like, these people, they just gave us this thing that is in all of its tropey glory, in all of the pacing is just a straight romance with Salma Hayek, who has phenomenal chemistry with Channing Tatum. Who saw that coming? I didn't see it coming. And I also was just like, why am I not getting more Selma Hayek in general? Why is this? Why am I not seeing her in everything? I'm getting tons of her because I also saw Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. <laughs> You're seeing the last. I'm seeing the last of, of all. The, I believe franchises. Puss in Boots is also a trilogy. I don't know. I haven't seen the first two. But she was in that. She was great. Um, so I'm getting a lot of Selma Hayek. Phenomenal. I do agree, though, that she should be more front and center in general. The, there is this opening scene, which like if you've heard anything about Magic Mike, you have heard about this scene in, in which Magic Mike, Mike Lane, gives a private dance for Salma Hayek. It is so friggin' hot. It is. It made me be like, oh, now I get the appeal of a stripper. <laughs> you were on board, right in it. Mm-hmm. Let's go. No, yeah. it, it was wonderful. It was perfect. It was like the perfect way to open a movie. Who, who doesn't want the rest after that? Like, it didn't feel like it was giving the whole thing away. Don't worry. They flash back to it a million times. God bless Steven mm-hmm. Soderbergh for filming this from nine different angles. Mm-hmm. So you, you got different clips every time. Like, wonderful. And then it ended. The whole plot is this, like, show within a show. They're putting on this male, you know, strip mm-hmm. review in London in this theater. Salma Hayek's ex-husband owned and now she owns, et cetera, et cetera. And there is this 30-minute dance, like, show mm-hmm. at the end. Yes. And that is also a delight. It is. I was a little more bored. Like you get a little Bob Fosse. You get a little... <laughs> you do. I was a little bored during because, again, not my thing, but it was very well done. It was... It was highly entertaining. It was It wasn't like the core plot. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. fully in it for the plot. And the plot wasn't, you know, extraordinary or unique, it, but it was... It was great for me. I was super happy, super satisfied customer. This was more or less critically panned. Not like I think anybody's really looking to the critics for whether or not they're going to see Magic Mike's Last Dance. Nobody cared that A.O. Scott didn't like it. But I did get really upset about the reviews for myriad reasons. One, many of the reviews I read took the first two as these incredibly highbrow works of art and then were disappointed that the third was just a sort of a rom flighty romance. Yeah. 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 I mean, first of all, number two is just a buddy comedy. And everybody's like, <laughs> I just That's fair. That's fair. I will say though, our friend Ruthie mm-hmm. says Magic Mike is actually about the economy. That's uh, what everybody says. One. Every, yeah. And that's it's true. Yeah. All of yeah. them. The first one really yeah, the, yeah. call that out. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, and, yeah. and it is. And I, I I think number one is better than number two. I mean, number three is obviously my favorite. Why must you treat any of these as these super highbrow things that then you feel so let down? You know, because it's the Soderbergh thing, yes. I think. I think that is like a big factor. And I really appreciate that. I don't think Steven Soderbergh is trying to do that. No. I think he's like, just put, let's put on, let's put out these great movies and like build this really sort of compelling and amazing brand off the back of it. I got really mad at A.O. Scott's review. He says, please. Each of the Magic Mike films has explored the nexus of sex, art, and money from a different angle. Magic Mike was about how, in a precarious labor market, a gig worker might wrest dignity and autonomy from conditions rife with exploitation. Nobody is writing that sentence about a movie about female strippers, but I, 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 I will continue. XSL emphasized the extravagant pleasure of selling oneself as a high-end commodity and the aesthetic fulfillment of satisfying a customer. That is such a reach. That is such a reach about Magic Mike, too. And then... <laughs> 
Last Dance is about the relationship between artist and patron and also about something that can't be reduced to libidinal or economic transactions. Like for fuck's sake, he also is upset about that opening scene. He says, because, okay, so he gets in the opening scene, they get the private dance and then they wake up the next morning in bed together having had sex. He says the ethical and other ambiguities raised by this encounter are potentially interesting, but the movie mostly has other matters on its mind. I'm like, okay, because I'm sure you're calling this out about every middling cinematic moral quandary that you've ever encountered. No, you're just nitpicking at this movie. And because of the gender reversal in it, it's now raising red flags for you. Richard Brody at The New Yorker also did not like it. Bob Mondello at NPR did not like it. Kyle Smith at The Wall Street Journal did not like it. I really like, like how we're naming names <laughs> as critics. I Like, genuinely, I'm like, I love this. Guess Keep who going. liked it? Shirley Lee at The Atlantic. Emma Spector at Vogue. Because this movie is not for these old white dudes. It's not for no. you. So why are you getting the assignment? All of them, like, get into, like, this idea of, you know, what do women really want? As if A.O. Scott has any fucking clue or like knows better than Steven Soderbergh or Channing Tatum. <laughs> also, also, please, at some point, Richard Brody gets upset. This was just a moment of my world's colliding. In the New Yorker review, Richard Brody gets upset because I think in an interview like a year ago, Steven Soderbergh makes an offhand comparison in making this movie, which is, you know, it's a show and a show, you know, the sort of behind yeah. the scenes. And he compares it to all that jazz, which, you know, holds a soft spot in my heart. And Richard Brody yes. is like, this is nothing like all that jazz. <laughs> Sir, of course it's not. Like that thing is insane. That thing is an acid trip. This is just a like big budget rom-com or not even a rom-com, a, ro- a true romance. Romance, romance. I. It's too sexy to be a rom-com and it's not that funny. It's not. And it, that's fine. Okay, I just have to call, I love the Shirley Lee review in The Atlantic. If you, like us, are a Magic Mike's Last Dance fan, I think you will enjoy this particular review. I think she really nailed it. She writes, the film explores what the rest of the franchise never has, a fully realized female character voicing her wants rather than having them presumed by a bunch of half-naked men. Or A.O. Scott. Or A.O. Scott. The result is perhaps the sexiest entry in the Magic Mike movies. It's intimate and emotional without losing any of the heat that comes with a centrally lit, dry humping scene. And I just thank you. Thank you for working with the same data, stating the same points and coming to the complete opposite conclusion as these men. I think what she's getting here and what you were getting at before Mm -hmm. is the intimacy Mm -hmm. part. And mm-hmm. that that yeah. was like sort of what was lacking yes. in one and two intimacy. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I, and listen, not everybody wants that. But no, but I do. <laughs> so <laughs> I loved this movie. I can't wait to rewatch it a million times over. If it had already been available on streaming or if I knew how to pirate things, I would have watched it like a, a, again immediately upon returning from the theater. Thank you so much to Hero Bread for sponsoring today's episode. So we have been talking about how Hero Bread is delicious and extremely fluffy and is a great source of fiber and protein and all of these things that you just do not get from bread. And I have a pro tip from a Hero Bread user in my home. It's a hero hack. It's a hero. It's a hero hack. Yeah, tell us. exactly. So. <laughs> 
Thomas, when he goes skiing, sometimes likes to pack a lunch. Um, mm-hmm. And this is what you do if you're real hardcore and you're not like me and you want to just sit inside and have soup for 45 minutes and take mm-hmm. off your helmet and your gloves and all of that. And his friend Adam taught him a few years ago that the best ski snack, like ski lunch situation is a tortilla, peanut butter and jelly, like not a sandwich, mm-hmm. a tortilla, because I think it just like less messy. There's less places for the peanut butter and jelly to go. I feel incredibly skeptical. I know, but a flour tortilla, like a hero flour tortilla. Yeah. I mean, listen, the hero flour tortillas are amazing. I, like we discussed, they do not get weird and uh, breaky. Exactly. Exactly. And so Thomas went skiing with a friend this weekend and he packed a bunch of hero flour tortilla PB and J's and they were doing some hiking up a mountain and all of this. And his friend was like, I've just been thinking about those tortillas, those peanut butter and jellies the whole time. I just like can't wait. So they're they're inspiring is what they are. Is he cutting them like pizza slices? No, 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 no. You're rolling them up like a burrito. Oh my God. Like a roll. I have so many questions. Okay. Not a, not like a burrito, like a roll. Up. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Like okay. a roll up, like a okay. roll up, like okay. a turkey right. roll up fine, or fine, something. Fine. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'm on board. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hero bread remade carby, empty calorie products into fluffy, delicious versions that include ultra low net carbs, zero grams, sugar, and fewer calories versus the traditional conventional version with added benefits of protein and fiber. They have seeded bread and white bread, hot dog buns, burger buns, tortillas that you can use for your super special skiing snack, <laughs> and even a croissant. Exclusively for a thing or two listeners, Hero Bread is offering a special 10% off your first order with the code a thing or two at hero.co. Again, the code is a thing or two for 10% off your first order of Hero Bread. Be sure to check out the podcast description for more information. Thank you so much to Nutrafol for sponsoring today's episode. I have to say, we have been working with Nutrafol for so long. I love them for a lot of reasons. One, it works. Two, it's like the real deal. It's dermatologist tested. Like it doesn't, I'm not just telling you it works. It, it It's proven it works. But three, on a bigger picture scale, this is the type of thing men have had solutions for for so long. And when companies like Nutrafol enter the fray and they're like, women have thinning hair too. Women need help with this also. And we're going to not only like put a solution on the market, but we're going to talk about it. So people feel less alone about it. It's helpful. It's meaningful. And I love that we are working with a company who's like actually making a difference for people in this way. And for women specifically who have kind of like struggled with this in silence for a long time. And I think in large part, thanks to Nutrafol and companies like Nutrafol, it's not as much of a taboo subject anymore. It doesn't feel as like, you know, you can't talk about it. We can all be like, we're, my hair's thinning. I'm going to take these pills. It's just a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth thickness and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning. So stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women throughout all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician formulated using natural drug-free medical grade ingredients in consistently effective dosages. So you get the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. Over 3000 top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code a thing or two to save. $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to US customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code a thing or two. Hi everyone. I'm Peyton Sarton, host of the Note to Self podcast. Note to Self is a space to embrace your unique qualities, get grounded and ultimately have honest conversation. 
no topic is off limits. I began doing social media seven years ago, and since then, I've started a clothing line and this podcast. Note to Self is a place where people from every stage of life can come for advice, new perspectives, and to feel a little less alone. Whether I'm recording by myself or bringing along a friend, we will explore topics ranging from relationships and mental wellness to social media and entrepreneurship. Tune in to Note to Self every week for the sisterly advice you didn't know you needed and raw conversations you've always wanted. I have been delighting so much in how much you loved it because I have felt so strongly about this yeah. for like such a long time. Mm-hmm. I was telling my sister-in-law what my like 40th birthday plans were mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. I was going to see Magic Mike on opening night. And she was like, I did not have you pegged for mm-hmm. a Magic Mike mm-hmm. fan. And then she was like, actually, like sort of a pawn closer examination. It kind of does make sense in part because he is the complete opposite of a Chaos Goblin line cook. Mm, yes. And that is just like not my type at all. And this man is the antithesis. He this is really someone is. who like works hard, gets it done. He has his focused. shit together. He has his shit together. Like even when the, even when his life is falling apart, he has his shit together. He has intention. He has a plan. Yeah. He has like a creative vision. Mm-hmm. Yes. That he is not willing to sacrifice. Yes. Yeah, it's just, and he has like a, he's just competent, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I really like competent. He's incredible. (laughs) He is so good at what he does. That is another thing I said to you, by the way, during the filming. Everybody involved in this movie was operating at the top of their game from him all the way down to whoever was putting him in clothes. Yes. May we talk about clothes? Let's, May we spend a minute to talk about he is Channing's clothes. new look, like yeah. Dior's new look. Channing's <laughs> new look. After seeing the third, I went back and saw the second. And I was yeah. like, oh, right. This is why Erica was into him because he used to wear baseball shirts all the time. Oh, God. If nothing is better than a baseball tee. What is better than a baseball tee? He wore a lot of baseball shirts. Not that I have a problem with them, but I understood why it was working for you in the way that it was. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) His dressing in real life is so good right now, but I think I haven't looked into this. I should have looked into this. It seems like the person who's styling him in real life, which is A.J. Mukamal, was also involved in the costuming of the movie. The, certainly there's a through line in, in terms of the attire. And this all started when he started dating Zoe Kravitz and the big unveiling of this was at the Met Gala in 2021. And he wore this like Versace suit and looked just so sick in it. And she also was wearing that kind of chain maily situation and looked awesome. I mean... The two of them. The two of them. They looked incredible. I do believe the unveiling was maybe in paparazzi pics prior to the Met Gala. That's, yeah, that's probably but true. this was that's the official true. one. They, oh, they also... Oh God, talk about romance. They didn't arrive together at the Met Gala, but they obviously <laughs> left together and they were so obviously together. There is this picture of them at the Met Gala that is my entire life. It is everything to me, okay? It's like mid, probably post Met Gala. I want to see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look right now. You get the sense that he's probably calling a car, okay? He's on the phone. He's taking care of business. She's sipping an espresso, toying with her earring, and he is holding her dainty, tiny little purse. And Nothing has ever been so masculine. Like, it's Claire, just, get these two in a remake of The Bodyguard. Yes. Like, this photo is just your one slide pitch for a remake of The Bodyguard. This photo is so good. It is, it's my it's my entire life mood board. It's great. He just <laughs> looks so hot. I absolutely love it. Zoe Kravitz definitely is shaping some of his personal mm. style mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And she got him off Crocs, yes, which huge. he'd like give some quotes about, mm-hmm. which is, you know, which I feel great about. He started working with her stylist, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think he, I said AJ Mukamal, but I think he goes by Andrew now because he's grown up. But 
people of our age may recall that he worked for Kelly Catrone during the era of People's Revolution being essentially a household name. The reality show Kel on Earth also like yes. crossover with the hills, right? Yeah. She, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I've been seeing Kelly Catrone still making the rounds on too. Twitter recently, and I love it. I think I if Kelly Catrone could get a show today this year, I would watch that. Do you know why? Because Net, I think it's Netflix released the hills on streaming. So then yes, TikTok yes. has gotten a hold of it. TikTok is going of nuts with the hills right because now. Because what's not to like about this content? And they're all like, who's this crazy bitch? And then she did a... F- so now they got to release Kel on Earth. Yeah, exactly. But there's a phenomenal interview magazine interview with her that is so entertaining and just perfectly her. And But it's like truly like you're like, huh, I wonder what Kelly Catrone thinks about life and world and the fashion industry now that it's 2023 and we haven't heard from her since let's say 2013 and it is truly pitch perfect I love it I love it I love it okay so there have been these paparazzi moments there have been Mm -hmm. like these unveilings we've seen progress but then for me I think it was the variety cover (sighs) in February 2020 when he is just like in beige and camel yes and lounging just like no shoes beige and camel like it's the zen of Channing Tatum is the cover line and he knows he looks great and he posted about this on his own Instagram and was like so proud of it he was like thank you guys what's not to be proud of what is not to be proud of he for the premiere of this movie he gets dressed in a double-breasted suit from the row like he's just it's just great it's just it's all working he looks great in clothes i have to say this is actually one of my complaints about the movie about magic mike's last dance mm. there's a scene where salma hayek takes him it's a pretty woman setup like she takes him to a fancy department store to get him a whole new selfridges or something yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah i think it's liberty which i only know from mm. reading the the review so recently <laughs> There's a full setup where we're like, yes, we're about to see Channing Tatum just try on a bunch of great clothes and look hot in clothes, which I don't know, I would have looked forward to. And they cut it short. You get the sense it was definitely filmed and it got left on the editing room floor. I think that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly right. And if people want to sell that cut to us for like, I don't know, $3, four bucks, we're we're paying for it. I'll buy the Blu-ray. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Something else I want to talk about. You dove further into the reviews. I really Mm. was here for this Wall Street Journal story Mm. about the business. Yes. Tell me. Magic Mike is now a $500 million brand. Congratulations. Congratulations. And I want to read a few few bits from this piece. Magic Mike is making the surprising business calculation that male stripping done in a certain way can be marketed as wellness for women. The movie franchise is now aimed at women over 35, a group more likely to sink $200 into an anti-aging cream than $20 into a men's song. Yet the brand's success has given rise to an unusual kind of live entertainment that blends the unleashed libido of a bachelorette party with the safety of a book club. I love it. I absolutely love it. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So this also spends a lot of time getting into the Magic Mike live show and why Channing Tatum was opposed to doing it to begin with. and was like Chippendales was gross and like all those things, like, like all this is like creepy and it doesn't work. And what what got them around to doing it? And this is like a huge moneymaker and a huge part of the business at this point. So a bit around planning the live show. 
The team set out to figure out what women would watch. In 2016, they set up a confessional booth in New York's Times Square where strangers were invited to describe their desires anonymously. Mr. Tatum sat in it secretly (laughs) behind a screen for 10 hours talking to women who said everything from, I want a man who makes good money to I want a man who loves dogs. That feedback went to the stripper archetypes on stage, which now include the bad boy who won't ghost you and the guy who thinks you're funny. Zero notes. It's phenomenal. It does also have me wanting to watch Finding Magic Mike, Mm -hmm. which is the reality TV Mm -hmm. show casting the dancers in the Vegas show. Haven't seen it, but Emma Straub wrote about it in her newsletter at some point and said, what is fun about the show is that these guys weep every single episode and talk openly with each other about their fears and insecurities. And it seems like almost all of them emerge better, more evolved human beings on the other side. Plus, now they know how to do lap dances. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, so in the movie version of this, which is sort of like based on the reality of him building this Uh uh this business out, one of the things I really like is him teaching these guys how, teaching the dancers how to be sexy as a stripper. Yeah. Does that, does Channing himself teach them in this reality show? No, Channing is not on the show, unfortunately. That is like a really important disclaimer that I, that I would have basically left out. Yeah, Channing is not on the show. I'll still watch it. I'm interested. The more, the passage you just read me from this article, it just does make me think about like, what is it that works for some women about this, about these strippers? It's an interesting exercise, an interesting thought exercise. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we also would like to spend a moment while we're here talking about Channing's other creative projects, all of which Well, if we're going to give this man his flowers, let's give him his flowers. (laughs) That's exactly right. Let's give him a bouquet. I'm I'm not, we're not going to talk about Dear John, which I think is a a great (laughs) film starring Amanda Seyfried, a Nicholas Sparks adaptation. I think everybody should see that. There's a lot, like, there's a lot here, but we're going to go into business. Should I step up to the streets? Of course you should. Okay. Because also, obviously, Channing and Jenna, Jenna Dewan, Matt, I know, I know, and I do, I love, you I know, do, there's that chemistry, and it's just great dancing. I do love watching him dance. I've always that is one thing I've always liked about him throughout his various style permutations. I've always enjoyed watching the man dance. Well, then you will enjoy watching yeah. him dance and step up and step up to the streets. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. Okay. So three things in particular. One, his children's books. Yes. Sparkella. Mm-hmm. So it was one, an instant New York Times bestseller. This is something he worked on during the pandemic. It was, according to his Instagram post about it, this is what I created for my little girl from what is, I guess, the little girl in me. Incredibly sweet, charming. Love it completely. And it's about a girl who's sparkly and she goes to school and feels like people aren't getting her being sparkly and tones it down and then doesn't feel like herself. And her, it's like her dad who helps her realize her sparkle. And all the promotion about this is basically just Channing Tatum in tutus, in unicorn headbands, Mm -hmm. with magic wands. Like, you know, basically like full Alice's teacup energy. It's very unicorn heavy, the aesthetic of Sparkella. And there is a very odd unicorn moment inserted in Magic Mike's last dance, Hmm. which... But this is apparently part of the live show. The word unicorn is the safe word. Uh, so when like a, if like you're at a live show mm-hmm. and a stripper's like dancing on mm-hmm. you and you want it to stop you say unicorn you say unicorn okay so unicorn is a just a through line mm-hmm. in general okay okay interesting the Channing Tatum literary project that I am most excited about please not please, to Neg please. Sparkella which I really no, ought no, to no. get for which I think like your household would yeah. welcome yeah. yeah he is writing a romance novel with Roxanne Gay whom he befriended after she wrote about wanting to hug every part of him with my mouth online. <laughs> yeah. A beautiful friendship. We've been hearing about this for a while. I am worried about it never actually 
happening. This is the thing. We've heard about it for years. And yeah. then when this Vanity Fair profile mm-hmm. cover story of him came out, it was mentioned a lot and yes. she's quoted in it. And it made it feel like both more promising, but also maybe just something to talk about. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She is quoted. She was interviewed for this. And the profile reads, Roxanne Gay noted that on their fun and sexy romance novel project, Tatum went out of his way to ensure they were paid equally. To be clear, that is the right thing to do, Gay pointed out. And we shouldn't give medals to people for doing the right thing. But at the same time, most people simply don't do the right thing. And it is notable when it happens. Truth. Truth. Thank you to Bull and Branch for sponsoring today's episode. Claire, I saw my first crocus the other day. <gasps> crocus I know. pocus. Crocus pocus. And it just, wow. I'm like so anxious for spring, but also trying to embrace this moment of being at home and being mm. like, it's not, it's like not actually spring and it's not actually going to be spring for a while now. What is it they call it? Like fake, what do they call fake spring? There's that Instagram me. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah. so in the meantime, I'm trying to be like, okay, house, like trying to make my house someplace I'm excited about, trying to do that mm-hmm. purge, trying to just like get stuff out of here and like trying to make like my bed and my bedroom a place that I want to be. And a crisp sheet is core to that, just absolutely core to that. I've been loving a crisp cotton sheet lately. This is a new era for me. And I have to say the signature hemmed sheets from Bolin Branch are a bestseller for a reason. Bolin Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth. Their sheets are made from slow-grown organic cotton for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They feel buttery to the touch and are super breathable, so they're perfect for both cooler and warmer months. They are loved by millions of sleepers, including three U.S. presidents, and have 10,000 rave reviews. Bull and Branch signature sheets come in 10 versatile colors in all sizes, from twin up to California king. The sheets are designed to feel incredible for all sleepers and are made without toxins, free from pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. Bull and Branch sheets fit the deepest of mattresses and are labeled with with top and bottom tags, so making your bed is easier than ever. Best of all, Bull & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. So make the most of bedtime with Bull & Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code or 2 at bowlandbranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bull & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code or 2 This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about just how dramatically things have changed when it comes to how we talk about mental health. Like I just think about it was 2008. I remember when I got off of antidepressants and there was so little information about transitioning off of meds and like how you do that. And now it's like you can't avoid the information about your mental health, about how to address it, about all of that stuff. And it's kind of just crazy to me that that it shifted that quickly. I mean, it took us a long time to get there, but it's so exciting that we're finally in the space where it's like no longer a joke about New Yorkers that like every New Yorker has a therapist. It's just everybody has a therapist. Everybody has a therapist. <laughs> everybody does. Well, and also, like, you know, I want to give celebrities some credit for being really like mm-hmm. open and sharing about yes. these things. And I think I that agree. that has gone a long way, especially generationally. I look at our parents' generation and they just had no people who they considered 
peers in any way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, no one who was like Mm -hmm. their age who was publicly dealing with this stuff. And it just helps so much to have that out there. It really does. You know, we're um, recording in the wake of the Vanderpump scandal and all of the apologies that have been issued have mentioned their therapist specifically. (laughs) You know, it's like you can't even issue a public apology without shouting out your therapist now. Like that is where we are. And that is a beautiful thing. And I have to say, I am so grateful to companies like BetterHelp genuinely who are making it more accessible, making it part of the conversation and just making it something that we all just sort of acknowledge is a necessary part of health and maintenance and wellness and all of that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash a thing or two today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash a thing or two. This Vanity Fair profile was written by Jessica Pressler, who wrote a profile of him maybe like almost a decade ago, probably a little bit less yeah. for GQ. That is an iconic profile that basically they end up, I think, getting drunk and like camping together in a platonic way. He is married, but it is also kind of like sexy and fun and unexpected. And it is of a genre of profile of celebrity profile of which there are two, basically, <laughs> where the person writing the profile ends up getting into like a pseudo romantic situation with the celebrities. I encourage you to read this Jessica Pressler, Channing Tatum profile in GQ, which came out around the same time as this Edith Zimmerman profile of Chris Evans, which are both the stuff of romance novels and have now had romance novels loosely based on them. Speaking of getting drunk, not in a tent. Mm -hmm. I was introduced on a friend ski trip in Idaho to a vodka. I was, was so from... shocked when you brought this up and I'm very excited to hear you talk about it because you are staunchly anti-vodka. I am staunchly anti-vodka. It's from this local distillery called the Grand Teton Distillery. Everyone was raving about it on the first night. I ignored it because I hate vodka. Were they just drinking it straight? I've never heard anybody rave about vodka, period, because it's just like exactly, when do you, Claire, you... They were like kind of sipping on it or like making vodka tonics, I guess. Okay. I don't, I don't okay. really know. But like people were very like carrying on about it. Okay. And then on night two, it was being compared to soju for how smooth it was. Okay. I was like, okay, fine. I will have a sip of this thing. I tried it and it was great. Wow. Like, like no afterburn Mm -hmm. at all, which is one of the things that I hate about vodka because you feel, I just feel like it tastes like rubbing alcohol and why am I drinking this? Mm -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. I like look into this and learn that Channing Tatum is responsible for this vodka. They didn't even lead with that. They, they didn't lead with this. They buried that. Wow. I don't know if they even knew, Claire. Wow. Because it was just like, so they're like, a oh, blind this is taste test. They weren't being influenced by his good looks and charm when they were raving about no. it. No. Whereas Incredible. I would have been, of course. So it's called Born and Bred Vodka. And it originated on a quest by Channing Tatum to find the best vodka in the USA. And this was like during a pre-Tito's, you know, mm-hmm. era. And his adventure led him to this award-winning distillery in Driggs, Idaho. It was like on a snowmobiling trip. It's family owned and operated. It's like you know, this great collaboration. And I was surprised I hadn't heard any rumblings of this before, because as we've noted, we are close Mm -hmm. followers of this Mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. And like, we hear about how many celebrity spirits these days, but it it does feel like a bit different. I hope it becomes Casamigos. I hope it's Aviation Gin or 818 or like whatever. But like, I feel like this is actually maybe just he wanted there to be a good vodka. He'll consider it a, he'll consider it a success regardless. Of whether or not exactly, it becomes, yeah. exactly. And there was a Bon Appetit interview in 2017 where the interviewer asked, "Could you have imagined that you would have started a vodka company?" And he said, 
Well, if you'd asked me this back when I was stripping, that would have seemed more feasible to me than becoming an actor. Now I'm a stripper that became an actor that I guess is working in vodka. Nothing surprises me anymore. It's all shocking. Every day I wake up, I have a pinch yourself reality moment. Oh my God, I love that for him so much. Absolutely love it. And this concludes 30 minutes on our Channing Tatum Magic I mean, we Night could just end report. the episode right here, but should we talk about Girl Scouts too? Let's- just to give people something other than Channing Tatum, although it would be pretty iconic of us two women who've never done a podcast episode on a single topic to be like, this is our first single topic <laughs> episode. It's about Channing Tatum. <laughs> We've been at this for how many years? Like eight years. Our first <laughs> yeah. single topic <laughs> episode. <laughs> Let's talk about Girl Scouts. Okay. Let's talk about Girl Scouts. Um, I was in LA. Something last- else wholesome. Something else wholesome. Incredibly wholesome and easy to root for, much like Channing Tatum. I was in LA last week with Cam and Chris for Cam's midwinter break, which is an invention that did not exist during my youth. But now kids get the week off in February. And lo and behold, a Girl Scout was setting up a Girl Scout table outside of Ascenti Foods. And I was like mentally and emotionally unprepared for what I immediately understood to be a a milestone moment. Like right, 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 right. It was like his first dentist. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's how I felt. It was like you, this is like this big life thing. Oh my God. And he was just like, what, why are you freaking out about? Like I kept thinking it's cookies. Yeah. But (laughs) I was so excited about it because I was like, oh, you're being introduced to the whole universe, not, not just of Girl Scouts, which is huge itself, but of Girl Scout cookies, like which one is your favorite? And there's a scarcity model here and there's a wholesomeness and a, and a sort of like do goodness. It was to like it. the first Supreme drop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and there's that, that, feel, you know, you're, you're doing something good with your dollars way before Tom's, you know, I just, yes. And so I was really, and it's a time of year mm-hmm. thing. It's like something people look exactly. forward to, but nobody actually really knows what time of year it is, no. which is also part of the delight. Like no one remembers. It's <laughs> no great. idea. I was, I think it is like secretly rolling and, and e-com has also changed the game. Changed all of that. Yeah. yeah, Regardless, this was an important rite of passage. Oh, this is the other thing. You can't plan for it. Like you don't know when they're going to be there, right? No. Like you just happen to go to the grocery store and they're there, but you can't be like, I'm going to go out and buy Girl Scout cookies right now. If you are lucky, they will be there. I was so excited about it. It was like, it used to be, if you were lucky, they would come to your door. Yes. Also. Well, so in this case, or you worked at an office where there was right. a Girl Scout yes. and you could order from the order form left in the mm-hmm. left in the lunchroom. Cam got to experience this in all its glory. There was a woman who walked up. I don't even think she was grocery shopping. I think she saw it from the street and pulled into the parking lot. I can't remember what variety she was excited about, but apparently there had been a scarcity in the region and everybody knew about the scarcity. And she was like, I want, do you have it? How many? I want them all. And I was like, I love that Cam is getting to witness all of this, the sense of urgency, the scarcity, all of it. I also learned from the mother of the Girl Scout who was selling that the real estate right outside of Vicente Foods is so hot that the troops all have to take their turns using it as a selling point because they can't just, you know, like claim it and then all sell a billion to all of these residents of Brentwood who are so hungry for their Girl Scout cookies, which I loved. And also now there's a lot more flexibility in the model where it's not just like you can, your troop can decide does each individual Girl Scout get credit for her sales or does the troop as a whole get credit for their sales combined? Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I thought was interesting. This woman was- That is interesting. Yeah, this woman knew a lot. So I made, I made Cam do the whole thing. I made him order them by himself, although I helped him choose Samoas and (laughs) Fitments. But I made him ask 
And then I made him pay for them, which I did not anticipate was going to involve teaching him how to use Venmo. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And he, of course, loved them. He is having a hard time remembering the terminology. He called them Boy Scout biscuits at some point. <laughs> that feels like such a specific <laughs> neg. Like, I, it was so bizarre. Like, I think he just must have heard the term Boy Scout before. And then another time, when he was asking for them, he was just getting with the Girl Scout cookies. He was like, which one? He thought about it for a minute, got really quiet. And he's like, the thick mints. I was like, yes, the thick mints. But he also can't say TH, so it was thick mints. <laughs> yes. Yes. I absolutely loved it. You were a Girl Scout. We were both Girl Scouts. We were both Girl Scouts. Yeah. I was a Girl Scout from probably like first grade to sixth grade. Oh, that's a long time. I don't think I went that long. Yeah, through all through grade school, what, for sure. What levels did did you do? Claire, I can't believe you remember the levels, oh. basically. Well, is of my course takeaway. I can, because it did, that got determined your outfit. And it was so exciting to have a different outfit. Okay, see, I... So brownies was I, brown, and then juniors was green, and then cadet, which was like older, was, I think, turquoise. I don't even know. See, and I here's think there the might thing. be a level underneath brownies too. That's I had a brownie sash. It was not well maintained okay. because my mom was not of the Girl Scout mom ilk, was and mine. she had iron on tape to mm. to, to mm-hmm. iron the patches mm-hmm. onto the sash. Yeah. And iron on tape does not work well when you're ironing yeah. onto synthetic or just probably in general. Also sort of, it's, it's just antithetical. Because like one of the skills that you learn is sewing. That's what you of get course. a patch for. The whole thing is antithetical to, yeah, yeah. No, listen. Uh-huh. So I feel like I just stopped caring about this, the like sashes or the wear mm-hmm. because it always looked like shit. And yours. then I was jealous of the kids whose moms were really organized and would like sew all the patches on the back and make it all cute and whatever. The intense jealousy that I felt around just Girl Scout moms, like specifically a troop leader. I desperately wanted my mom to be a troop leader. When I found out that my own grandmother, my mom's mom had been a troop leader, I was like, what the fuck? I thought we weren't a Girl Scout mom family. Now I find out that we were. It just skipped a generation. I felt so cheated by it. It was like, you got the privilege of having your mom be troop leader. Of course, like now in retrospect, I'm like, that is a huge ask. I would never be. Of course. Of course. No, but it is your your mom and my mom don't have a whole lot in common, mm-hmm. but what they have in common is neither of them are the Girl Scout troop leader <laughs> mom. Right. It's a commitment. It's specific. Yeah. And I desperately wanted one. And it is most certainly not unrelated to the fact that I am now class parent two years running because I'm like, I got it. No. You got it. You got it. How many times do you think you've seen Troop Beverly Hills in your life? And do you think this relates to any of those feelings? Not enough. I love that movie, but I haven't seen it enough. Love. It's a great movie. I think Cam would like that movie. He would. Thank you. I will absolutely show him that outstanding movie. Kind of related to this, Mm -hmm. speaking of just like sort of design Mm -hmm. and troops and, you know, the, the fashion the show fashion of it all, all. Uh-huh. the yeah. fashion of it all the Girl Scouts got a new logo they got, they got a whole brand they redesign. got a whole brand redesign and it's so sick so Collins this design agency where Chris actually works redesigned in 2019 the whole Girl Scouts brand identity and it is so good and it's so thoughtful there's a case study of it on their website where they break down the thought process behind it the intention behind it and I have to say it's one of those things where you're like this is just really well done. Like it was thoughtful. It was smart. They do such an articulate job of explaining why they made the choices they did. And then it still feels really youthful. It still feels exactly like Girl Scout, but it feels cool. Like it feels 
Gen Z or Gen AA? What's the one under? I don't know. I, Gen Cam. <laughs> Gen Cam. It feels really youthful, but it feels totally like it, it is still at its heart. Girl Scouts. It's so good. You know, it just really brings us back to that Kate's Butter conversation. <laughs> yes. It's not like we don't like a new, brand, lo- <laughs> no. new logo or an yeah. update. It's that we only like a good one and it can't just be following trends. It has to right. be thoughtful and distinct and acknowledging the history and yes. all of that. Yes. Yeah. If you do not stumble upon a Girl Scout outside of your local grocery store, we yeah. encourage you to buy them online from Troop 6000. So Troop 6000 is this Girl Scout troop in greater New York, and it's a first-of-its-kind program designed to serve families living in temporary housing in the New York City shelter system. And this is from their site. Each week, girls meet in shelters across the city to take part in activities that help them make new friends, earn badges, and learn to see themselves as leaders. All fees, uniforms, trips, and program materials are provided at no cost. There's also this new initiative to help transition girls who are leaving the shelter system but still have the sense of community and still Hmm. cover those costs for them to join a troop wherever they are next so they don't like lose this Girl Scout experience. And it was founded in 2017 by Giselle Burgess, a single mother of five who lost her home, which is like, so I did not, I thought it was like a Girl Scout initiative or something, you know what I mean? Like a greater program thing. But no, it was started by a Girl Scout troop leader mom, basically. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you know what this also brings to mind that is also worth looking into if you are interested in this stuff, maybe for your own daughter or a place to support? Radical Monarchs. Oh, love. Love. This is an organization out of Oakland. I'm sure that they are expanding. Oh, they have a bunch. They have like, they have troops in New York now. They they have troops all over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Started by two women who wanted something like Girl Scouts for their daughters, but Girl Scouts felt a little too white. It felt not like born out of, for, for girls of color, for brown girls. And so they started Radical Monarchs as sort of a similar style of organization for young girls of color. And they are, just do a phenomenal job. And we we wrote about them in Workwife and we love to support them and they they are very cool. There's a very good documentary. Mm, the documentary um, about is Radical great. Monarchs yes. too. Yeah, that it would be like a fun thing to watch with a kid. And they do badges around activism yeah. and like speaking out. And it, it's like all very compelling. They are awesome. Mm-hmm. I loved this episode. Me too. Me too. That's the show. Shannon call us. <laughs> this has been a production of Dear Media and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for our secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.